This is Mike Roth. Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages podcast. In this show, we're going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs, and interesting folks who live here in the villages to give perspective of what's happening here in the villages and information that I think all villagers should have. We hope to add a new episode every Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Don, welcome back. Last time we talked about your your service on the CCD-10 as the chairperson. Why don't you tell us why you got involved with the community-wide organization? Project-wide? Project-wide, yes. <laughs> oh, that's one of those deals where be careful what you ask for. Um, when I moved to CDD-10, uh, it was still under construction. Mm-hmm. Where you're at here in Osceola Hills didn't exist. No, it was still it was still pasture land. Uh, Morse Boulevard and Hillsborough Trail did not connect. Mm-hmm. Lake Deaton was just yeah they didn't connect. Lake Deaton was just being built. Dunedin didn't exist. So because it was in its early stages, all of the supervisors on the board were landowner elected. Mm-hmm. Landowner elected means there was only one landowner. There was a developer, so they were. For lack of better terms, developer appointed supervisor. Well, that um, happens in all communities yeah. in construction uh, phase. Yeah. So the first two seats were coming open. Uh, my seat that I that I'm occupying was one of the first ones. Since I was the first resident to be on the board, they said, "Oh, you're going to be our PWAC representative." And it was like, "Okay, uh, I guess I am," and I've been on it ever since. That's been really amazing to understand how the different CDDs work together. And then three years ago, yeah, three years ago, after the amenities purchase between 466 and 44, the charter for the Project Wide Advisory Committee was amended to give us the same responsibilities that the AAC has north of 466 as far as the amenities go. So we actually, in the Project Wide Advisory Committee, we wear two hats. One is we're working for our CDD mm-hmm. for the common infrastructure, whether it be uh, multimodal paths, uh, cutting the grass, irrigation systems, uh, changing out the plants seasonally. Right. So part, you know, that's that's the part that's the hat where we work for our individual CDD. The other hat we wear is we're not working for our CDD; it's on the amenities side, and for that we work directly for the residents. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's caused some controversy. Um, the la- the last uh, meeting, there was uh, an issue of the walking trail that they're building at Lake Neon. Hmm. Um, and yeah, my, that was a, in the paper. It looked like it was an expensive walking trail. It is. It, it, it is. Um, you got, you have to understand though the uh, the geography better where it's going to be. It's uh, it's going through some wetlands. Uh, it's it's a pretty swampy area. There was only really two viable choices, either concrete mm-hmm. or what's called flex path, which is it's kind of a, a rubber path that uh, that drains water really well. Uh, and it's it's lined with ribbon curving, the, the concrete curving on each side, like we see on our multimodal paths here north of uh, 44. The difference was about a quarter of a million dollars between the two the two different surfaces. The budget on it, oh my gosh, we started out with an initial idea of $150,000. Uh, six months later, it was up around four fifty. dollars We were all a little bit of sticker shock. Right? They started calling it the village's big dig. Mm-hmm. 
And then when we got the quotes back, of course, you know, we're, we're going through the tail end of COVID, the rising inflation, material shortages, all these things added to the cost. And now it's, you know, three quarters of, of about three quarters of a million dollars. It's a pretty stiff price tag. So the, the question becomes, we could do it in concrete for about half a million, or we could do it with this flex path, which is really ideal for, especially people our age, our joints mm-hmm. just don't, don't handle walking on concrete that well. Right. Um, so it, it really came down to an issue of, do we want to spend the other $250,000 to do this right? But, but yeah, it, it really came down to the question of, do we want to spend the $250,000 and do it right? Again, I, on that issue, I listened to the residents and I had some residents, four of them in particular, are my fellow board members that were against it. Uh, personally, I think it's it's a little high, but my opinion doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not what I'm elected for, for. I'm not elected for my opinion. I'm elected to listen to the opinion of, of the constituents. And uh, overwhelmingly, uh, I heard you know, that people were in favor of this. In uh, favor of the more expensive material? In, in favor of the path. And then it became a question of who we want to do the more expensive material. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we were pretty much convinced in the meeting that the more expensive trail is the right way to do it. It would it would last longer. Uh, it's going to have l- lower maintenance costs. The concrete would have to be pressure washed basically once a month, and you're talking three quarters of a mile of pressure washing. That's a lot. So this this other this other material, the water passes right through it, so it doesn't it doesn't get slippery. Doesn't get mossy. No, it doesn't get mossy. It doesn't get slippery. So it's it's a much better surface for walking. It'll be um, it'll be interesting to see. It's supposed to start here uh, in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be done by the end of summer. It'll be interesting if the project gets done that fast. Uh, it's yeah, it will be. <laughs> they they have some access issues. Uh, they can't. They only have one end to access it from over by the Lake Mount Rec Center. So basically, they have to start there and just continue to build all the way out to the end. Hmm. They can't they can't hit it from the side because of the there's really not any access. That's part of what's driving up the cost too. Is the way mm-hmm. it has to be built in a uh, continuous fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Don. As a candidate, uh, we're going to come back to this again next week. But <laughs> okay. but as as a candidate, what what do you see that needs to be done here in Sumter County that hasn't been done? I think first thing is communication. Core communications between the county government and the general population. Mm-hmm. The, the people don't understand how the budget is done. Uh, the people don't understand how, uh, how the county is run in general. Uh, the website is... I attempted well, to read the budget a couple of years ago, when they, a year ago, when they wanted that 25% tax increase, and uh, they sent me a 28-page document that I couldn't read. Oh, I, you got the short version. Oh, I, that... I read all 400 pages of, oh, of wow. the budget. Um, I, I was very intuitive. You know, and people were outraged uh, because they passed the budget, which goes back to what I'm talking about with communications. The budget process has started. Mm-hmm. It's it's going on now. Uh, it doesn't just happen in September. People finally caught word of the 25% increase at, for the September meeting, and that's when they have to, by, by law, pass a budget. Mm-hmm. So the work was done. There really was no way to change it at that point. Um, so, you know, people were outraged that, oh, they're not listening to us. No, they were listening, but nobody was talking in May and June and July when the budget work was being done. That's when the people need to get involved. 
And that's one of the big problems we have right now. People aren't involved. They only get involved when it's oh, all of a sudden the final decision is to be made. And the process doesn't work that way. Well, if, if there's no open flow of information of what's actually happening in this process, yeah. how, how can we expect people to know? Well, uh, you know, the county website, I mean, I, I'm pretty good at the Internet and the websites and getting around. And I find it terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's atrocious. If you don't know where to look, you'll, you'll chase your tail for an hour on that website, get frustrated and just turn, turn off the computer if you don't throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, so As many people have done here. <laughs> I should probably do that too. But so, you know, getting more information to our residents is probably the first. How would you do that? I think first step is revamping the website to make it more user friendly because it's definitely not. That's that's small potatoes. The real thing is reaching out to the community, uh, the different organizations, different gatherings that people have, both here in the villages and out in the rest of the county. Uh, so and getting them to understand what's going on and at the same time finding out what's important to them. So I think that's a that's the first place we start. You know, there's there's a lot of perceptions. People have this perception, oh, somebody's in the developer's pocket. Well, there's more to more than just what you see. Everybody sees one little wedge of the pie. They don't well, see the... it started out with uh, even in the C- CDDs where all of the members were developer appointed yeah. before there were property members. Right. So the grad has been a gradual progression. And that, and that's something that I was going to ask you about people who seem to be in the developer's pocket, elected political officials. Uh, once again, I think one who's retiring. I yeah. understand. Again, people see only a small portion of the issue. They don't understand the budget issues, the legal aspects of the issues. You know, all they see is, is what's perceived on social media, mm-hmm. which is normally twisted to whoever's hosting that social media's agenda. You're as a as a commissioner, as a district supervisor, whatever position you're in, you have to look beyond that. You have to go, okay, somebody wants money for this. Okay, do we have it in the budget? That's the next one. Can we do that legally? Is there other funds available for it? You have to Take in all the all of the information and then make a decision. You know, somebody, many people have said, oh, you know, we're, we're buying the developer's roads. That's a fallacy. OK, the county is putting in the main thoroughfares right now. Megason Road mm-hmm. um, and uh, Marsh Bend Trail are, are the ones that are getting ready to be widened. Central Parkway. That's an investment. OK, because they're going to invest. Let's say $20 million in this piece of road. Mm-hmm. The developer pays for all the road, all the rest of the roads feeding into it. Actually, the residents do. It, it comes as part of your house. Most of it's included in your bond mm-hmm. here in the villages. Um, so the only thing the county's paying for is that. But what do they get in return? They get millions in tax revenue every year from the houses that are built that are supported by that main arterial. So, you know, the county is benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could find an investment like that where I could invest money and get the same rate of return that they're getting, I'd stop flying drones. I'd be sitting on my yacht. <laughs> That's an interesting question that you brought. What is the rate of return that the county is getting? I, I honestly don't know the exact rate of return. It is a significant, uh, significantly positive number. When you're going to invest 
let's say $10 million into a piece of road, mm -hmm. but you're going to collect $2 million in property taxes every year, every year for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And it's just going to go up. That's a pretty good rate of return. Yes, they have to maintain the roads. Uh, but amazingly, they don't pay, you know, your street that you live on, Mike, mm -hmm. the county's responsible for the maintenance. Correct. They didn't have to pay for it. You paid for it with your bond. Mm -hmm. Okay. All they have to do is maintain it. Uh, and, and they have to plan for that maintenance. But that's part of what they do with that revenue stream that they, they generate from your property tax and my property tax. It, it's got to be managed properly. That's part of, in my opinion, what was the problem with uh, the 25% increase that we had. Mm -hmm. Buena Vista and Morris needed to be repaid. That was $11 million. That was half of that 25% increase. You know, we could argue about that point. Didn't mm -hmm. really need to be repaved. They, Portions of them needed repair, entire repaving from top to bottom, probably in my opinion, was over the, over the top to make the roads look good, look new for the developer to sell more houses. Well, I'm going to disagree because when you start talking about roads, when you start doing patchwork repairs, you, the road quality degrades significantly. It, it is easier and more cost-effective long-term to do the whole road and then you'll have minor repairs for years to come. Whereas if, if they just did, okay, we're going to do this half mile here, we're going to do a quarter mile here, and another half mile over there, and you've got mixtures of old and new roads, now you've got to let contracts again, and it's going to be later. It's going to be, so it's going to cost even more. So it, it, is, it is a long-term management thing. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't put enough money away to, to, uh, to cover these costs. And that's what part of what led to this 25% increase. Um, in my opinion, it was poor management. So for the 14 years before that. Oh, they were putting feathers in their hats saying, oh, look at us. We were keeping it below the rollback rate. Mm -hmm. uh, when they should have been saying, we need to plan ahead. Was it a secret that most of the traffic is in the villages is on Morrison, Buena Vista? Was it a secret that they're going to ro roads are going to wear out? No, it, they should have been planning this long term. And they didn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have. So we is, have, is there a long term plan in the county government? That I have not seen. I have been looking for it for about six months to see what their plan is for long term road upkeep. Some of the roads, I'll tell you, being on a motorcycle, you become very intimate with the road. OK. Uh, with two wheels uh, on the ground. When you start hitting a lot of chuck holes and, and broken asphalt. Uh, you start recognizing the problems. Yeah. There, are, there are problem roads in the county. Yeah. I've driven on them, yeah. and I know exactly what you mean. I know where some of them are. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have not found a plan that says in one year we're going to do these roads, and year two we're going to do these roads, and year three we're going to do these roads, and by year five we'll do these, and by year ten. So a, yeah, a short long-term plan. For the most part, these are asphalt roads that yeah. have a definitive life of, Perhaps 15 years, if we're lucky. Uh, 10 is probably more likely in this weather. Uh, it's not the north where you don't get that kind of results out of asphalt. We also don't get frost heaves either. Frost heaves, where the road breaks up from the, the freezing. Right, right, um, right. And, but the, the actual construction method for asphalt, I don't know too much about this, it, it is, is critical in terms yeah. of what the base material was. Uh, when the road was originally constructed, determines 
actually how long it's probably going to last. That and the usage. I mean, it, oh, the more usage and the heavier weight of right. the vehicles. There's a difference between a road that takes uh, two-ton cars yeah. and 16-tons or 30-ton trucks. Right, absolutely. And the roads have to be built for that kind of traffic, and they may have May or may not have been. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. Don, I think we've, we've covered enough for today. Okay. And we'll come back next week and talk to you about a little bit more about the election for the county commission. Okay. Fair? Great. Outstanding. Look forward to it, Mike. Thanks, Don. Next week. Remember, our next episode will air live next Friday at 9 a.m. Or should I say pre-recorded? But that's when it will be released on our regular subscriptions. Bonus subscribers can get early access to episodes. Should you want to become a sponsor of the show, contact me at MikeRoth at RothVoice.com. If you know someone that you think should be on the show, send me an email at Mike at RothVoice.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyright by RothVoice. 2022, all rights reserved.